Hey everybody, superfan Giovanni here. Welcome to Classic Loveline, episode 479 from July 30th, 1997. A Wednesday night show with Rick Ocasek of Cars. Adam opens the show with Dr. Marcel, the pimp of doctors, filling in for the still-vacationing Dr. Drew. Rick actually joins him from the top of the show, unlike last night's guest. Adam comments on the previous night's guests and the transition to the calming order of Rick in comparison. Adam reveals that Tommy Lee let him drive his Ferrari Testarossa after last night's episode, which leads to the infamous I-don't-know anecdote from Tommy, and Adam tells it here for the first time. Rick is in the studio plugging his fifth solo album, and Adam gushes to Rick about the Cars being the first concert he ever attended, and how their work changed his view of music. Now this is an official K-Rock tape. It was actually recorded for Dr. Marcel by Engineer Mike. Dr. Marcel is one of the coolest, if not the coolest, fill-in Loveline doctor, and he actually sent us his full stash of appearances from the 1990s and early 2000s. Also, Dr. Bruce did the same thing, though one of his tapes was coated in a coffee-like substance mostly comprised of sugar that completely ruined the tape. And a very special thanks to Adam Drizzle, also known as Uncle Penny. Without him, we wouldn't have this tape. He put me in contact with Dr. Marcel, and we acquired this back in the summer of 2009. Now, the second half of this tape, the quality degrades quite a bit. It's still very listenable, and was transferred at a really high bit rate, in the, now due to storage and tape age, and possibly with the original tape engineer Mike used to record this episode, the second half of the tape just didn't age as well. This is a common issue with a lot of the fan tapes, not so often with the official tapes, but this is what happens when we only have one copy. Fans demanded we release the Rick Ocasek show, and the quality is up to snuff. Just want to give you a heads up. It's supposed to sound like that. Well, not supposed to, but it does, and we have no other options. As per usual, this is recorded in 1997. Some of the medical information may be out of date. Please consult your own physician or contact Dr. Drew and Mike Catherwood on Current Day Loveline. 1-800-LOVE-191. Listener discretion is advised. You can follow us on Twitter at Podcast One, on Facebook, Podcast One there as well, and PodcastOne.com, the home of all your favorite podcasts. Mahalo and get on. The following program is a podcast1.com production. Two. Welcome with Adam Carolla and Dr. Drew. Would you sleep with sick women? I may be pregnant, but I'm still a man. Spank the unruly ones. It's indecent, it's vulgar, it's blasphemous. You're gonna ride you till you can't stand up. Come on, come on, let's go down. All right, all right, keep your shirt on. Loveline's meant for an adult audience. Loveline may contain sexually oriented content. Listener discretion is advised. Here's Loveline with Dr. Drew and Adam Carolla. All right, let me correct that. Dr. Drew's not here. His flunky is in. Dr. Marcel, the man who uh, consults him on all his uh, augmentation questions. Dr. Marcel is a board-certified plastic surgeon, are you not? That would be me. And you're a regular doctor, too, right? I sure try to be. And, um, all right, uh, we'll get into plastic surgery in just one moment. Rick Ocasek is our guest tonight, uh, formerly, well, uh, you know Rick Ocasek. Okay. <laughs> Phone number 1-800-LOVE-191, fax number 310-854-4455, and let's start the show. Um, first, just want to start off by saying uh, we had, um, who do we have in here last night? Oh, Motley Crue was in here last night, all so right. it's uh, quite a transition from the... Uh, <laughs> from the, the calming aura of Rick Ocasek to the uh, sort of uh, out-of-control id of Motley Crue, but they're nice guys, mm -hmm. and uh, especially Tommy Lee's a nice guy, and we've had him on the show before, and I noticed... All right, you can put the board down. <laughs> <You're trying laughs> I noticed that uh, Tommy was driving a uh, beautiful Ferrari Testarossa mm -hmm. last night, and I enjoy cars, so I said, oh, uh, whose Testarossa is that? And Tommy said, it's mine, uh, during the commercial, and then uh, he let me drive it last night wow. after the show but 
this isn't the uh, this is fun for me. It's not necessarily a fun radio story, but here's what's kind of funny is I said to him, "Hey, uh, I got in. I was looking, and I was. I mean, I love cars, and this mm-hmm. is a you know hundred thousand dollar Ferrari." And I said, uh, "Man, what what year is this?" Uh, and he goes, <laughs> "I don't know." <laughs> I thought to myself. Boy, you know you're doing good when you got a Ferrari and you don't even know the freaking year. That's right. I mean, you you know you're making some money yeah, when you, good. you you have a hundred thousand dollar Italian supercar and you're not sure what year it is. That's beautiful. Okay. All right. Uh, can we get that laugh track uh, queued up, Engineer Mike? <laughs> All right. Rick is here because uh, Rick is talking about what the hell's the name of the CD? Ah, Troubleizing. Mm-hmm. This uh, I hear is the uh, fifth solo. CD uh, right. since the cars. So but, let, we'll start with the cars and we'll uh, we'll move forward. Uh, first off, um, mm-hmm. I'd like to say uh, was a huge Cars fan. Uh, nice. First uh, concert I ever saw, I believe, at the age of sixteen, mm-hmm. was a car somewhere in uh, like Long Beach Civic Arena. Uh-huh. And uh, when uh, like just what I needed came out, and, uh, was that like seventy nine? Yeah, seventy nine. This, uh, to me, was revolutionary mm-hmm. because it was like pretty much uh, Skinnered and Ario Speedwagon up until uh, up until that for me. Right. So I thought, uh, hey, this is cool. This is new. And um, did the cart? Did you do stuff before the cars? Did you have another band? Did oh, you I do had, solo stuff? Yeah, I had lots of bands actually. I must have had about a half a dozen bands before the cars. Uh, but actually, the cars were, was a premeditation of like a lot of the people in the cars were in some of those other bands. I see. But, uh, yeah, I had plenty of bands before that, plenty of jobs. And why, uh, why is it, in, in your estimation, that the other bands didn't take off and the, the cars went through the roof? I think it was partly because of the kind of musicians I had in the bands. You know, like, some guys would be, like, into jazz, and some guys would be into the Grateful Dead. And, right. You know, just finding, actually, the right people that played, you know, for the song's sake mm-hmm. probably made that band pretty good. I think just being more focused on songs period and um when did the cars break up what year officially uh i'd say around 86 7 and did you do solo stuff uh in between there while you're uh, with the cars yeah i had a couple i was had a couple of uh solo i guess solo albums <laughs> that's a more funny word because it kind of means you're playing by yourself but you know i had two albums uh during that tenature and then i've had three since and uh, Billy uh, Billy Corgan produced this uh, latest one. He produced half of it, yeah. And you produced the other half, yeah. Can we hear the difference between the half you did and the half he did? <laughs> I don't think so. I was think... was he a uh, fan? I I think he probably was. I was a fan of his. I think he might have been a fan of the Cars as well. He's probably about the right age. I mean, he probably grew yeah, up. I'm sure he did because uh, I, I know he covered one Cars song on one of his records. He did. You're all I got tonight. Oh, he did. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. And that kind of. Uh, you know, spurred me to like want him as a producer. Is that uh, is it? Had you not known him, uh, did he ask to ask for uh, permission or anything to do that, or did he just talk <laughs> Actually, to the record label? People don't usually need permission. They can usually just cover a song if they want to. You they get money need, though. They just need to pay the royalty. Yeah. Oh. And uh, did you write all the car songs? Yeah, yeah, I wrote all the car songs. Now you know you're uh, you're kind of a see. Like I had. Uh, have you ever met Rick before, uh, no. Doctor Marcel? I had this vibe off him that uh, that he was uh, more aloof or uh, enigmatic or something like that. He's a very warm, genuine guy. He's a regular family man. Yeah, I know. He's married to a super. Uh, still married to a supermodel, right? Yeah, I'm still married to. Oh. Her. Uh, Paulina, I can't pronounce her last name, but uh, Poroskova. Uh, have you seen her? 
Yeah. She doesn't need any work from you. No. <laughs> Bad for the economy. <laughs> Bad for yours. All right. Uh, let me just talk uh, briefly about some of the other bands you've been producing mm -hmm. before we uh, get into the questions. Uh, Iggy Pop we've had on the show. It's pretty cool. As a matter of fact, you guys kind of sound alike. Uh, maybe so. Yeah. I produced one of his records, but, but maybe that talking thing. Yeah. Well, I certainly always respected him. Yeah, he's he's pretty cool. He's a real mellow guy, but when he gets on stage, he goes uh, absolutely insane. Oh, he, he's a great performer. Yeah, yeah, I know. He um, he uh, knocked me over when I was bringing him out oh, on stage he? in uh, Minneapolis at the uh, Edge Fest. They uh -huh. said uh, they go. Um, get out there and bring out Iggy Pop. And I said, uh, this is one of these big festival, big uh -huh. summer festival concerts, and Iggy was, like, headlining. And I said, uh, you know what? I, I've been out on stage now 11 times, and uh, the last time I was out there, somebody threw, like, a Crown Royal bottle at me. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to go back out there. Let Iggy go back out there. And they said, go bring out Iggy. And I said, I don't even know where Iggy is. Go out there, bring out Iggy. And I came from one side of the stage, and Iggy came from the other side of the stage, and we collided at the microphone. <laughs> phone at the same time and uh iggy's like 130 pounds but uh bobcat's 100 100 pounds and could kick your ass yeah. and that's kind of the, the iggy approach iggy's just a big ball of gristle yeah he's a good muscle guy big shirtless ball of gristle and he didn't uh i don't think he knew who i was and he just grabbed the mic and knocked me out of the way and went uh, right into one of his songs pure adrenaline he certainly uh certainly does have it so uh weezer we've had them in mm -hmm. i don't think we like them <laughs> are they all a-holes? Are they hard to work with? No, they're all pretty nice guys. Yeah. Rivers is a good guy. He's a good mm. thinking man. Yeah, right. A lot of thinking. <laughs> uh, Iggy we like, though. Uh, Hole we haven't had uh, on the show. Not a surf, I think we've had. Mm -hmm. These are, these are uh, the bands that Rick has produced. And uh, Degeneration. Mm -hmm. Thought they were uh, they're okay. I think they were drunk and eating candy. Mm -hmm. Does that sound like them? Sounds possible. Or maybe I'm thinking of Black Grape. No, uh, D-Generation or uh, New York guys. Yeah, exactly. A lot of attitude. I mean, they're banned. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. They got that. Uh, they didn't drop out of uh, you know dental hygienist school or right, something exactly. to start a band. Right. Exactly. They don't go to Harvard. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh no, they would be immediately escorted off the campus. But Rivers does. Oh really? Oh yeah. Oh oh, and uh, who do you know from? Uh, did you do Bad Religion too? Yeah. Those yeah. are great guys. Yeah, I like those guys a lot. Now there's a guy who's pretty smart too. He's he's got a doctorate degree. Yeah, the whole uh, the whole band, Greg and uh, the uh, rest of the crew. Yeah, Greg's but a great talker. Real smart guys, real nice guys, real mm -hmm. articulate guys. Mm -hmm. uh, not that Weezer though. Uh, Roman. <laughs> yeah. You're 18. You're on with Rick Ocasek. I had a couple of questions for Rick. Right. Okay. Um, what did you think about the Smashing Pumpkins cover? And what do you think it was like to work with Billy? Well, I love the way he I, I love the way he covered "You're All I Got Tonight." He stripped it down to basically nothing and uh, sang over it, so it sounded a great, great alternative way to do it. Um, working with him was great. I actually wanted to work with him because I felt like he had like a lot of control over his situation. He was a songwriter. He was another band member, and and so I actually was seeking that type of uh, uh, control because I guess usually I'm in control, but I thought it would be fun to see what somebody else might do with it and he did a great job roman yeah okay because um my friend loopy and i are like really big fans of the pumpkins uh -huh. and we we really want to get your cd so wonderful well he's singing on it 
All right. It's called uh-huh. Troubleizing, and it's out uh, September 9th? Yep, that's right. All right, so you got about, uh, I don't know, what is that? A year. <laughs> <laughs> what year, 97? Yeah, uh, what do you got, um, two months? Is that what that is, or about one month? month? About a month. What are, I, I don't know where we are. I'm on my period. All right, Roman. All right. All right, uh, very good, Marcel. Uh, Michelle. Hey, fourteen. You're on Love Line with Rick Ocasek and uh, Doctor Marcel, fitting in for doc- fitting in, filling in for Doctor Drew. Okay. Hey, my problem is I'm fourteen and I'm pregnant. I got pregnant maybe about a week ago. I figured out maybe about a week ago, also probably around the day after I figured out I was pregnant, that my boyfriend, who got me pregnant, was bisexual. And before I knew I was pregnant, me and some of my friends were doing some alcohol and some drugs. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering if maybe that would affect the birth of my child. And my boyfriend doesn't want anything to do with this baby. Because, you know, I confronted him about his bisexual because I caught him French kissing a guy. Mm-hmm. And he got really pissed off and everything. And then my dad won't support me if I have this baby. Mm-hmm. And then if I have an abortion, my dad won't support me then and he won't help pay for anything. Uh-huh. Okay. So, we, um, we all have to kill ourselves. That is the answer. You, me, Rick, uh, Marcel, uh, North America. Hey, Michelle? Yeah. Uh, how do you get, what are you doing? Right now, nothing. Uh, what's going on in the background? Are you screwing with the radio? No. Okay. You're 14. Yeah. How old's your boyfriend? He's 15. How's he bisexual at 15? I don't know. What, uh, what's up with you? I mean, what's up with your family? Um, well, it's like... My family's kind of messed up because my parents got divorced, like, when I was two. Right. And then I've lived with my father, and my sister's, like, in a group home mm. and all, mm-hmm. you know, so... Where, where's your mom? I don't know. She's just been gone. Uh-huh. Okay, so, Michelle, you, you come from a pretty chaotic environment, right? Pretty much. Right. You listen to the show? Yeah. All right, so you know you're kind of on your way to uh, more chaos? Yeah. Right? I mean, you're 14, you're pregnant, your boyfriend's bisexual, uh, your mom is uh, God knows where, your sister's in a home. I mean, she does you, alcohol and drugs. You do alcohol and drugs. Uh, you're, you're, you're really uh, on a slippery slope here, Michelle. Do you, do you want to keep the child? Yes, I do. But you, it's like, you do. Why? Dad won't support me or anything. Right. What, do you, what about having the child and giving it up for adoption? I would rather keep the baby than not knowing where it's going or... Mm-hmm. I would rather keep the baby and raise yeah, but, but if you keep it, you kind of know where it's going, don't you? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, uh, what about an abortion? I, I don't want an abortion, but I was thinking maybe since the alcohol and the drugs, maybe it would come out deformed, and I was wondering maybe, you know, maybe the best option would be for an abortion so it wouldn't come out with all these defections or something. Well... We can all jump in here. I, I'm not a fan of abortion, and I, I don't think anybody is. I, I think it should be legal. I think uh, women should have the option. <clears throat> it's it's nothing pretty, and it's uh, you know it's not something uh, in 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 a great world you like to do. But sometimes I think you're talking about a lesser of two evils. And I think uh, between the alcohol and the drugs you've ingested, mm. plus the fact that this kid does not really stand a chance in the environment. Uh, I mean, you barely stand a chance in this environment, Michelle, okay. much less uh, the child. Uh, to me, this is a, a humane option, but uh, that's mine. Or give the kid up for adoption. 
But you need to focus on yourself. You need to get yourself out of this environment. You need to stop the booze and the drugs. You need to, you know, stay out of a relationship for a while. I mean, you need to take care of yourself. You don't need a distraction right now. Have you ever gotten any counseling? Yeah, right now we're in family counseling. Oh, you are? Yeah. Well, that's good. Whose idea was that? Um, it's sort of like a process because... The court? Mm, pretty much, yeah. No, okay. I, I had a feeling that Pop didn't have an epiphany. <laughs> he didn't uh, put down the 40-ouncer one night, uh, turn off Baywatch, and go, you know what, uh, we need to be self-actualized as a, as a unit. All right, so the fam- uh, the court has forced you guys into counseling? Well, they, they, it's not really the court. It's more like the social workers and... Oh, okay. Okay, so here, here's what's going on, though, Michelle. With you being pregnant, okay. you're keeping the, the you're keeping the chain alive. You know what I mean? I, I'd like to. I mean, here's what I'd like to do on this show, and I and I know Drew would as well. I didn't hang up on her; she can uh, hear me. I just put her on hold. We're sort of interested in uh, breaking the chain. A, l- a lot of the people we talk to, 15, 16, 18 years old, come from uh, divorced families, uh, as substance abuse, uh, oftentimes physical abuse, uh, emotional abuse, and I don't think we're ever going to make that right. But what I would love to be able to put a dent in is them not abusing somebody. Them not. uh, Yes, you were sexually abused, but you don't have to go out and rape a woman now uh, on your 18th birthday. Or um, your mom was pregnant at 15 with you and uh, died of uh, cirrhosis of the liver. You don't have to be pregnant at 14 and uh, have an alcohol problem. And. You know, I, I know that uh, that goes against every uh, fiber in a lot of people. I mean, it's absolutely no coincidence that she's 14, pregnant, drinking, and has a chaotic uh, relationship. But if we can just, you know, get a little bit of, I mean, this is, I think this is the only chance we have as a society. What do you think, Rick? Yeah, I kind of think that, too. I mean, I, uh, having a child is such a huge responsibility, and it takes so much time in your life that you'll barely have time to... Uh, even like fine work or you know just support yourself generally and uh and and actually i don't i don't even think that at 14 years old you're actually even you might think you're mature but you're just definitely not mature enough to understand like no, you I, know how big life can be so i think I it's mean, a form it of abuse a, in a way yeah i mean to raise a child with a 14 year old mother and no father Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, it's it's, uh, it's tantamount to child abuse. It's not overt, but certainly in the in the big picture, I'd rather be raised by uh, I'd rather get spanked once in a while and have uh, old mom and pop there. I mean, you're stacking the deck, right? So, um, Michelle, you you are at a sort of a fork in the road here. Uh, one one side reads um, uh, the usual route of the Michelle family, and the other is, uh, hey, uh, give the kid up for adoption. Uh, finish high school, get a little college education, uh, get a career, get married, and uh, start a sane family uh, 10 years from now. Yeah. So, Understand why you're doing the things you're doing in your life. Right. It's, uh, uh, uh. And I, I wish we would talk about this more as a, as a government and as a, as a society. I mean, uh, to me, this is, when you talk about uh, crime or overpopulation or unemployment or uh, the welfare state or whatever it is, wh- whatever, whatever the, the big problem of the day is, crime, whatever, this, it all comes back to this. I mean, uh, you know, Michelle's uh, sister's in a home, and uh, they have social workers coming over to the house. I mean, this is where all the resources 
are going. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, pick a happier call. Stephanie, 15. Yes. Um, all right. I am 5'2", and I weigh 115, 115 pounds, and I wear a D cup already. Mm-hmm. And I'm seriously thinking of having a breast reduction down to at least a C or maybe a B. You know, I just thought of this. I know it sounds uh, nonsensical, but if I was a woman with a small breast, I would wear just a tremendous size D-cup bra anyway, just in case people ask, what size, what size w- cup what's you your have? cup? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. D. Yeah. All right, thank you. That, that's what I want to engineer my... <laughs> right, but I mean, so many guys just look at me for my breast, and when I play sports, I mean, these sports bras are like no good. Well, one, it's probably very difficult for you to play sports. Marcel, you are a, uh, a, a breast man. Go ahead. I mean, you do it for a living. Yeah, I do. So go ahead and uh, tell her the ins and outs. Uh, basically, large breasts are not uh, all they're cracked up to be, as you'll find for most women that have large breasts. Most of them wish they were smaller because uh, large breasts limit what you can wear, what you can do. And women with small breasts wish they were larger. Yeah, there's no happy medium, and that's actually what keeps a lot of plastic surgeons in business. Right. But uh, from a health point of view, uh, large breasts, especially on a small frame like you have, can give you chronic back pain, neck pain, can cause you a lot of, you know, you get bra strap grooving. And tell you the truth, at your age, having breasts your size, it can give you quite a complex about yourself because all the high school guys, all they're going to be looking at is about a foot below your nose. Right. But, uh, but, but let, me, uh, let me make this example. I, was, uh, I wasn't using this specific one last night, but... Men are attracted to physicality. Let's, let's face it. I mean, as, as much as we'd like to uh, say we're not, and uh, a guy like oh, look, a guy like Rick over here is a smart guy. He's a, he's a poet. <laughs> he's a photographer. He's an artist. He's a scholar. Still hanging with a supermodel. He's no dummy. I mean, even, even guys who, who have their heads screwed on straight know enough to know, hey, listen, I, I love a beautiful woman. And this is what guys are attracted to. Now, I'm not saying that, uh, like, Paulina doesn't have a beautiful mind either, mm-hmm. but who cares? <laughs> I mean, look at her. <laughs> we love beauty, and it's a physical thing. And we don't have any problem as a society, uh, again, using Paulina, as she's six foot tall, beautiful eyes, beautiful brown hair, uh, beautiful legs, beautiful ass. You say, this is a beautiful woman, and there's, and there's no problem with someone being attracted to that. Right. Again, all physical attributes, but it's sort of acceptable. But if a woman just has big breasts and a guy's attracted to that, he's a pig. And I, I would argue, well, why is a guy a pig if he likes big breasts as opposed to guys chasing the hot ass or the nice legs? I mean, it's just a physical part of a woman. I mean, any, you're 15. Any 15, 16-year-old guy you're going after, I mean, they're all, uh, uh, or, who, or who is going after you, is, they're all going after the, uh, you know, captain of the cheerleading squad or whatever. It's all about physical appearance, this is like uh, one more reason for them to be attracted to you physically. Uh, what do you think uh, of that argument? No, I, mean, I think it has a lot of merit, but at that age, that's all they're going after. Right. Pure and simple. Is, okay. You know, these so large do you think, breasts. Do you think I should get the reduction? Um, I'll, t- I'll, I'll tell you the, the truth. At your age, uh, when did you start developing? Uh, probably like, well, I know by 12 I was already into a B. Are you pretty stable with your size right now? Is it over the last six months or a year? Have you gotten continually bigger or about what you are now? Um, it's, well, it's been like a little continuous growth over okay. like a year. Yeah, if it's been fairly stable, this probably might not be a bad time for you to consider a breast reduction only because oh. one, I know that sounds... It, it sounds, really breaks my heart as a breast man. Yeah, but you'll feel better about herself. 
Uh, all right, but that doesn't make me feel better about myself. I mean, I love my breasts, but it's just I can't do as much. I can't wear, you know, right. what I could wear if they were smaller. Out of all the operations that plastic surgeons do to the breast, reconstruction, augmentation, <coughs> reduction, breast reduction probably is the highest percentage of satisfied patients only because it satisfies so many things that they are looking for. Is there some sort of age requirement, though? I mean, you wouldn't do it on a 13-year-old, would you? Um Actually, some young women get what's called virginal hypertrophy, which is they get incredible development of the breasts, and you, it's almost a, a medical necessity. Really? Yeah. And so they can, you can get it at a young age. Unfortunately for them, because the what's going on in their lives, their breasts keep developing. They might need a second breast reduction a few years down the road. Where are the uh, what? What are the key breast growth years? Well, can usually because I, I go down to the junior high once in a while and do a little talk, speaking, and I just want to know. I mean, is it is it is it, mad, is it like when you hit puberty? or? Yeah, it's usually around the time you hit puberty, so around, around 10, 11, something around there. And when do the breasts stop growing? Well, typically they stop growing in late adolescence, but then when women get pregnant, some of them gain breast size and keep it. Mm. Other women lose breast size. R Rick, are you a breast man? No, not particularly. Um, and uh, you know, I'm also skeptical about like just having things like that done, period. I'm, I'm skeptical about people changing their bodies. Well, uh, I mean, I hear, I hear that argument and, but, a lot. But, you know, uh, I, I imagine if it would be a health risk, I could see it. But on the other hand, I just, uh, I just think people should just uh, sort of maintain what they have. Uh, well, I'll tell you what. We, uh, we're running late for a break. Uh, this will be interesting because uh, we got a uh, rock star over here, and we have a, um, a plastic surgeon over here, and we can, uh, we can debate this. I'll, I'll sort of uh, mediate. When we come back with more Rick Ocasek on Loveline. The voices are trying to John. throw me off while, they're tr while John. I'm trying to concentrate John. on John. this. Okay, you're safe. Thank you. Loveline will be right back. Oscar-winning screenwriter of 12 Years a Slave comes television's next great groundbreaking drama. I'm trying to find out who killed our son. One crime will affect so many lives. You need to be the voice for people who do not have a voice. American Crime, series premiere Thursday at 10, 9 central on ABC. And experience the weekly American Crime podcast hosted by Elvis Mitchell with an inside look at each episode. Subscribe now at podcast1.com slash American Crime. From the Oscar-winning screenwriter of 12 Years a Slave comes television's most extraordinary new dramatic series. Starting Thursday, March 5th, watch American Crime live at 10, 9 central on ABC. Then tune into the American Crime podcast hosted by me, Elvis Mitchell. Each week we'll have a candid conversation with show creator John Ridley, plus show talent, character storylines, and more. Go to podcastone.com slash American Crime to subscribe now. Hey, this is Iggy Pop, and you're listening to Loveline with Dr. Drew and Adam Carolla. Yes, it's Iggy Pop, and Rick Ocasek is uh, here tonight. Uh, Dr. Marcel sitting in for Dr. Drew here on Loveline. Phone number 1-800-LOVE-191. Fax number 310-854-4455. And uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll get to the boob debate in just one second. Uh, but let me ask you a question, Rick, that mm -hmm. uh, I'm sure you get a lot. Are, um, ever thought about a Cars reunion? 
No, no, I never thought about it. And uh, there won't be any. <laughs> I've cast, Are all I've the cast other but thoughts off. I'm sure, like, uh, whoever the drummer was on the cars is, is looking. Looking to get back together. I mean, he wants to quit that job with the hot dog on a stick and well, get back maybe with the so, band. But uh, you know, I actually just wouldn't want to go back in time and recreate anything like that. Is know? is uh, do you do you look at that as kind of sad? I mean, when you see other bands doing it, or do you just say um, that's their thing, but it's not my thing? Yeah, I kind of say it's their thing, but not mine. What um, are the other guys from the Cars doing? Well, actually, uh, the keyboard player played on this record a little bit. Greg, he 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 does pretty good amount of music. Uh, Elliot, the guitar player, I think he plays with Creedence Clearwater on their tour. Oh, really? He's a musician on that. Uh, the drummer, actually, as you mentioned, uh, is basically uh, builds pretty good fine furniture. <laughs> <laughs> did did everyone and, make uh, did everyone make enough money that uh, they can just sort of? I mean, did they buy? You know, did they buy their house and uh, pay off their car and say, uh, "Screw it, I'm going to build furniture now." Um, I think they probably have some income from, uh, you know, from just uh, classic rock, as it were, or uh, right. just, you know, catalog sales of the cars. And uh, I think that in their prime, they probably had uh, certainly enough money to buy, uh, you know, homes and a small Volkswagen. Did, uh, <laughs> did uh, now, did you get, as you wrote uh, most of the songs, or all the songs, yeah. So that that means you get the lion's share of the uh, of the money. That's right. Yeah. And how does it work? And you don't have to tell me, you know, uh, exact numbers or anything. Mm -hmm. But uh, and, and forget about the cars. Let's just take mm -hmm. um, any 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 band. Right. And let's say there's a uh, a front man. He writes the songs. He sings the songs. And the rest of the guys play the instruments. And that's the band. Mm -hmm. When the money comes in, how does it break down percentage wise? Well, usually, I mean, I would bands deal with it differently, but I think that <clears throat> the regular way it's dealt with is usually share royalties on like record sales between the band in an equal, you know, amount one fifth if it's a five piece band. Mm -hmm. You would share probably all performances, you know, like live touring, right? Probably five ways everything. But as far as writing the songs go, it's a separate thing. That's like a publishing situation, mm -hmm. and I'm. I think that if you write the song, you should have the publishing. Right. Uh, oh, sure. Not, not that I don't think you need to be a democrat, you know, dem democratic about that. Right. Uh, because you're certainly spending the time doing the writing. You certainly have to have had to develop the talent to be able to do it. But what about and, uh, what about a case where like you come up with a song idea, mm -hmm. and it's uh, you know it's seventy five percent there, or maybe it's a hundred percent there in your mind, mm -hmm. but then you get together with the rest of the band and you get into the studio and you start working things out, and it kind of turns into a little bit of a different song. Well, in that situation, I would imagine that uh, if you know that the person who wrote most of the song would probably think it was a good idea to share some of it. Did that ever I, happen with your stuff, or did you just write it and go, uh, here, here's the sheet music, boys, uh, one, a two, and a three? Yeah, I think in my situation, I basically just wrote it the way it would have, that's the way it was. Okay, so you didn't, because you know, yeah. I saw that Doors movie, you know, and Ray Manzarek came in with that one little organ riff, and then mm -hmm. um, and then uh, Val Kilmer had his own uh, little lyrical thing, and it, it turned into a sort of a free-form jam, mm -hmm. and uh, that's the only thing I have to reference, actually. Yeah, well, you know, if... Uh, I mean, I did co-write a couple of songs on some of the Cars records with with actually Greg, the keyboard player, you know, who would come over to my house and lay, like, music down on an A-track. Mm -hmm. And then I would write the song on something that he had already put there, and then I would share the song with him, as I should. So you wouldn't... Um 
you you wouldn't you don't have to work. Not as right? far as an arrangement. Do I have to work? No. No. I mean, I mean, uh, and I'm I'm not trying to corner you here. No, I, I know right. uh, the IRS may be listening, but what I'm saying is, is from the work you did with the cars and uh, the publishing rights mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. You, once you broke up in um, in uh, the uh, late '80s, that's it, or '86, I mm-hmm. believe it was. That's it, right? I mean, right. you you wouldn't have to. You could you just be getting checks, right? Right. <sighs> and you make a ton of money just getting those checks, right? <laughs> I do. I, I got to form pretty, a band. I do pretty good. Oh, for Christ's sake. Where'd you meet Paulina? Actually, thing? I met her on uh, the video Drive, which was on one of the songs on the Heartbeat City record. Oh, was she was she... actually in that video. Wait a minute. And actually, I have to uh, say this, too. The Cars, one of the first bands to come out with some really cool produced oh, videos. Yeah. I mean, especially when you're uh, looking at the uh, stuff that was going on mm-hmm. back then. It's like, uh, hey, uh, you flock of seagull guys, uh, puff up your hair. We're going to put you on a big uh, turntable. And uh, you move around and just play your instruments. Uh, there, that's cool. All right, we're finished. Uh, what is there another uh, record, another uh, cut on the album we need to do today? <laughs> but you guys did stuff. Uh, wait, yeah, was was she the? Wait a minute, who was? Uh, All I want is you. Was who was that one? Mm, that's you might think. Oh, all right. Um, and that was actually the, the end one. part of the list. No, that's cool. That's the one Charlotte did. Where you know. My my head is on a fly. Yeah. Right. Everyone hey, you're the guy that. with the fly head, right? Yeah. <laughs> Who's that model? Actually, uh, she was a she was a, a model that they actually hired who, uh, you know, was pretty good. Uh, yeah, could have married and, her uh, too. <laughs> actually, she's married to a, a, a pretty top music writer, I think, at this point. Uh, one of the Rolling Stone writers or something. Yeah. But uh, yeah, she was good in that video. Yeah. So, uh, what? Whose idea was it? If if it was any one person's idea to say, uh, "Hey, all these uh, these videos suck. Let's do something cool." Well, we were certainly aware of, you know, we, we wanted to do things different every time. We wanted to try to do different videos. We wanted them to be good. So some were good, some were silly. And they were know. shot on film, weren't they? Usually, yeah. Whereas uh, that wasn't really the call of the day back then. Well, I think it was the call of the day. People didn't use video much. Uh, they didn't? No, I thought all really. that. I thought all that uh, earlier stuff was done uh, with video. Hmm, maybe occasionally. I, I don't... Jesus, uh, I it really think most bad things, for film. I think most things were, for, were done on film. And you guys were smart in that you got real good-looking women to be in your videos. <laughs> I, I don't know if anyone ever watches that, like, uh, you know, MTV Remembers or anything, yeah. but you yeah. see some of these things where it's like... Um, Journey, uh, 1979, they're out on a pier, and they're playing like an air guitar, and uh, some chick comes bopping along the boardwalk, and you're thinking to yourself, whose sister's that? I mean, is this all they could get? They're doing a video, for Christ's sake. No one figured out, hey, let's put, like, legitimate models in videos early on. Now, uh, of course, uh, they're uh, top-heavy with that. All right, so that's where you met uh, Paulina. Mm-hmm. And she was a fan of uh, of the cars? I don't think she even knew who the cars were, actually. Um, at that point in time, uh, she was just over and she had only been in America for a year. Uh, I think she knew who I was from a solo record and she recognized that my last name was Czech and she was Czech as well. Right. And I think that that was actually when I met her for the first time, uh, for the video, um, she didn't even know that I was in the band of cars, but she knew that I, she knew me from the video, but she didn't know I was in the cars. But I think she's just saying that. I really do. Well, sounds pretty. It, 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 all whenever um, great-looking women get hooked up with real successful guys, they always claim they didn't know uh, who they were. 
it's like uh, unless uh, they're uh, trying to uh, sue them for some sort well, of sexual she, she assault. Was, she was pretty successful, as, you know, in her own right, really. Yeah, I think. Uh, I mean, about at, so. that, at that time, understatement. Oh, you know. All right, uh, Adrian. Hi, Adam. Hey, you're 16. Yes, I'm 16. I like guys who's 52. Uh-huh. We're not going out, but I'd like to. The potential is there, and a lot of people are telling me that to want a guy much older mm-hmm. makes me either perverted or him perverted, and I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Mm-hmm. What and do you think? Is who, is it, who is this guy? Hal Linden? Um, no, it's no. Mickey Dolan's of the Monkeys. It is? Yes. Oof. I've had the biggest crush on him for about a year. You know, I think he's kind of crazy, so you could probably get him. <sighs> Thanks, Adam. Seriously, is this the guy you're talking about? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I'm going to go see him on the 9th of August. I am just totally crazy about him. And where uh, where did you find him? I mean, oh, I mean, gosh. did you get turned on to the monkeys by seeing like the reruns of the of oh, the uh, yes. TV I show? I watch them every night. Mm-hmm. I taped every episode, mm-hmm. and I read Mickey's books five times already. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Have you seen Mickey lately? Oh gosh, I saw him last summer for my 16th birthday. And uh, you're still you're still into him? Oh yes. Okay. I've been, I've been into him for 13 years. Wasn't there a movie called The Crush? Yes, but it had no, I don't think it had to do with an older. Uh, it wasn't all, well, all right, a little older, but it wasn't uh, Mickey Dolan's uh, old. All right, well, Adrian, yes. what are you going to do? You're not going to do anything, are you? Oh, no, 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 no. I just want to, like, meet him. Okay. I'm, I wanna, I'm, all right, so uh, it's a fine. That's good. Uh, you know, I'm going to meet um, uh, Mother Teresa. It doesn't mean I want to start a relationship with her. Oh, no, I just want to, like, date him for, like, oh, you wanna, a friend. Oh, you want to date him as a friend? You know, get to know him. Get crazy with him. You know what I mean. All right. Like, like... I'll, All right, Adrian, Adrian, let's cut to the chase. Okay. Why um, aren't you going out with guys your own age? Because none of them are cute as Mickey. Um, all right. Give us the real answer. Are they not interested in you? Um, yeah, kind of. Okay. All right, so this is... Uh, you're sort of uh, escaping into a fantasy world. Yes, I am. All right, I understand that. Uh, what's uh, what's up with you? Why, why don't you think they're attracted to you? You're fat. Um, oh, please, Drew. Um, Sorry. Me? I don't know, because I'm wild, crazy. Uh-huh. I'm not cute. You're not? No. No. And so <clears throat> so here's what's going on. Uh, you don't think you're attractive. No. You don't think uh, guys uh, around your age in high school find you attractive. No. So instead of sort of, uh, you know, taking your lumps, you're just escaping into this fantasy world where you're... Uh, uh, what about uh, Peter? Or, uh, He's cute. He's okay. cute. He's okay. in his own ways. All right. The, the point is, is you're sort of escaping into this fantasy world where you don't really have to concentrate on the reality of your situation. Mm-mm. Right. So you, you understand that? Yes. Okay. But this is... You're just sort of buying yourself a little time. You're not really doing yourself any good. No. Right. It was like my obsession with Adrian Barbeau through junior high. Eventually, uh, reality came back and kicked me in the ass. You're not a... <laughs> I thought you were uh, wild about Beth Ringwald. Oh, yeah, I'm into her, too. <laughs> she just called me. It's Molly Ringwald's uh, sister. I was, uh, they lived down the street from me when I grew up, and I was uh, a huge fan of hers. Oh, yeah. I saw it on the TV show. Yeah, she wasn't a big fan of mine. <laughs> but let me tell you, the worm has turned now. Okay. Oh, yes. All right, uh, listen, Adrian. Yes. What's wrong with these calls tonight? Huh? I blame Marcel. Adrian. Yes. Uh, go ahead and have fun with this, but uh, you know, try to date some guys your own age. I did that once, but it didn't work out. 
All right. It, it's not going to work out again and then uh, five times after that, but eventually it's going to work out. But do you, okay, can I ask another question? No, that's it. Date oh. people your own age. Okay. If, if you're not attractive, then find someone else who's not attractive and um, raise an unattractive family. I've already done that, Adam. All right, well, do it again, please. <laughs> what the hell am I? You know, I can only handle so much uh, neuroses in uh, four minutes. I mean, it, how, uh, how do you deal with all the, uh, the people are, what is it tonight? Why is everyone so screwed up? Issues of self-esteem. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think like Drew there. So. Yeah, don't think like Drew to screw everyone up. All right. It sucks the energy right out of the room. All right, here's what I'd like you to do, Marcel. I'd like you to pick a uh, fun call. All right, whatever, whoever you have lined up next, just go ahead and sell that one right into the microphone. You can use uh, whoever you had lined up there. All right, who is that? Cherie? Sell it, Marcel. Read the thing. Sell it into the mic. Well, we've got Cherie on line one, whose uh, boyfriend doesn't make her climax during oral sex. And do we have any suggestions? We uh, certainly will when we're uh, back with more Love Line with Rick Ocasek. I don't think they're aware of how much they suck. Hey, that's not very nice. You kiss my mother with that mouth? I mean, your mother? Love Line will be right back. Blinds galore, baby. Cool your home, man. You want to talk about it. I know it's getting hot. It's hot where we are. It's hot where you are, I'm sure. It's hot right here. It's hot right here. Oh. No. Yeah, turn the air down a little. Anyway, it, the, the sun just blasting through. I mean, think about how hot your car gets. Think how much cooler your car would be if you parked it out in the sun, if it had blinds all the way around. Well, that's the same thing with your house. And then also, everything gets bleached out. The fabric gets bleached out. The... You get bleached out. The carpet gets bleached out. BlindsGalore.com. Quality, custom-built blinds and shades made just for you. We use them here. Use them there. And it's the kind of thing you get once and you use it for the next 25 years. So let's get going. Free samples, free shipping, free design advice, and uh, real easy. And you save money over the big box stores. Blinds Galore. They really do have Blinds Galore. Go to BlindsGalore.com. Let them know I sent you. Let them know that uh, they are proud sponsors and that you heard it here. BlindsGalore.com Yes, it is Loveline. I'm Adam Carolla. That is Dr. Marcel, and he is Rick Ocasek. Phone number 1-800-L-O-V-E-191. Fax number 310-854-4455. Who's in tomorrow night? The Goo Goo Dolls. Oh, we had a good week this week. Uh, Chris and Johnson from uh, Big Blonde from Third Rock from The Sun was in here. Oh, Marcel, you missed them all. Uh, I mean, you got Rick. Sorry, Rick. You know, <laughs> you know the way I'm saying. Motley Crue was in here last night. That was fun. Rick tonight and uh, Goo Goo Dolls uh, tomorrow night. And uh, Producer Ann, uh, who do we have uh, coming up? You don't have to tell me, but we can just, uh, well, go ahead and tell me. Bill Bellamy and Naked. And uh, when's Blues Traveler coming on? Because I love those guys. Uh, the 25th of August. Okay. Uh, perhaps I'll bring my saxophone back oh, into yeah, the studio and uh, jam down again with uh, Big John Popper. It was quite a show. John with the uh, harp, me with the uh, tenor sax. It was, uh, it, was, it was really magic. I'll explain how the magic worked uh, while we're playing the song, Rick. Uh, Hang On Tight is the name of the song we're going to listen to. Troubleizing is the name of uh, Rick's newest solo effort. Not out yet. Uh, 9-9. It is out September 9th. 
and uh, give it a listen. Tight from Rick Ocasek off of Troubleizing again out uh, nine nine and that was uh, what's her name from Hole in the background? Uh, Melissa. Right. Yep. And uh, the Hole is uh, two girls and uh, three girls. Oh, three girls and like one guy's yeah. like a girl. No, no, he's like a guy. It's is Eric, he? It's Eric. Yeah, he's, right. he's yeah. a fantastic guy. Okay. Right. No. Yeah. Um, let me uh, let me ask you about your uh, posture for just one second, Rick. Mm-hmm. I notice you're sitting. Rick is uh, how tall are you, Rick? Six four. And you have uh, Rick sitting, and and these chairs aren't aren't a whole lot of chair. I mean, it's it's like a small desk chair is what we have here. And Rick has uh, fit his entire six four frame <laughs> onto this chair as if they're uh, you know like um, roaches on the floor or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you are you into yoga or anything? No, actually, I I don't even know why I sit like this. Uh, I find myself sitting like this, you know, everywhere I sit. Uh, I I think it's uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm just limber. Doesn't hurt hurt your nuts at all. <laughs> no, no, pretty good with that. Mm-hmm. It's a steel cup, though. And I'm I'm guessing I don't want to pry too much, but I'm guessing you're pretty good sexually, because uh, <laughs> because of your uh, flexibility. Uh, yeah, I can do lots of uh, amazing tricks. Yeah, that's I'm not uh, if I like. If I even, like, watch uh, an Olympic floor routine, my nuts hurt. I am that uh, unflexible. I mean, there's no—you ever see guys who—or actually women do this, where they'll sit down and they'll sit on their foot, Mm -hmm. or they'll just sit there and they'll be in, like, sort of a quasi-lotus position. It's just hour upon uh, hour. I don't don't um, think—I mean, not that there's anything abnormal about you, Rick. I just Mm -hmm. don't think uh, guys normally are designed to do this. Well, I don't know. I think it's funny. I think I think people. Some people do it, and some people don't. Right. I've seen lots of people do it. In fact, people have commented to me. You know, I sit like that too. Well, you should think, start oh, really? some sort of support a, group or something, a club or something. Well, you have to the be. Perchers. You have to be. Uh, you have to be rangy to be able to get away with it. I mean, yeah. you cannot be uh, robust. No, I don't think so. Fat guys you can't have too much in the way. Fat guys are very limited in how they can sit. They basically have to lie back and spread their legs. Mm-hmm. They can't uh, do any of that. Uh, I got my knee and my ear, and I'm resting my cheek on my other kneecap. 
All right, uh, Marcel? Yeah. Okay, just want to make sure you're with us. Uh, we got to go to break already. Uh, when we come back, we'll have more uh, Rick Ocasek and his uh, niece. I don't go in for these backdoor shenanigans. Shenanigans. Sex, drugs, rock and roll. Shenanigans. Chips, tips, chains, whips. Shenanigans. Hey, this is Greg Fitzsimmons, host of Fitz Dog Radio, right here on Podcast One. Join me, track my rage against middle age, the exploration of what's behind the scenes in Hollywood with guests like John Hamm, Zach Galifianakis, Jimmy Kimmel, Corolla, Hardwick, Rogan, Sarah Silverman, all the big guns. We talk personally in a funny way. Come check it out. Fitzdog Radio on Podcast One. Hi, this is AJ from the Verve Pipe, and you're listening to Love Line with Adam Corolla and that sexy Dr. Drew. Yes, the Verve Pipe. Very nice band. You ever uh, met the Verve Pipe guys? No, I haven't met them. Very, uh, every single one of those guys, uh, incredibly, incredibly nice. Uh, right up there with Bad Religion. All right, <laughs> uh, but not up there with Weezer. All right, we have to go to a quick 10-second break. We'll be back with uh, Dr. Marcel and Rick Ocasek on Love Line in 10. This is Love Line on... Has a uh, CD coming out called Troublizing, a uh, his fifth, I believe, solo mm-hmm. effort. And uh, how many with the cars altogether? Six, six, seven, something like that. It's not that many for the. Uh, I mean, Jesus Christ! First off, uh, was uh, was the car was the cars the first one, then Candio uh, the second one? Yeah, exactly. The cars, Candio, Panorama. It's uh, it's pretty amazing. I mean, uh, first off, uh, you, we have a lot of bands in here, and you hear about the. Uh, Here's what I'm trying to say. A lot of them had three or four records out before the one you heard of. Mm-hmm. And you just never heard of those three or four because they didn't really have any uh, success before before this one. And then a lot of them had a first one that you heard of, and then the three or four after that you never heard of. But uh, the Cars uh, were, uh, I don't want to say lucky enough, but uh, talented enough to uh, come out with the first one. It was huge. And have the follow-up and the follow-up be huge as well. Mm-hmm. It's kind of cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I mean, uh, did you get spoiled having like, you know, like <laughs> eight of the, uh, you know, 11 songs on the CD were, get, were all in rotation at the same time? Oh, uh, it's overwhelming, really. Was it? Quite honestly, yeah, it was, because we, we had no idea. You know, we thought, first record, we thought, okay, well, we'll have a good local record here. Yeah. sold like 20,000 copies or something. So it was actually pretty, it was a slow build, though. It took a year for the first record to get really around the country. I oh, it remember, did? I remember it going in, like, little pockets, you know, but uh, but to have the, you know, records after that be successful as well was pretty. How old uh, were you when uh, the Cars, the first Cars CD came out? Or I should say record, actually. Oh, I was in my 20s somewhere. And did it, uh, did you spin out at all? or, or no, did I think, you? I think it was actually mature enough to not spin out, uh now, for some reason, I think maybe I, I kept an eye on people who spun out. Mm-hmm. Not that I thought I was going to be, uh, you know, uh, successful with this stuff, but I, but I basically had an I, I certainly didn't want to spin out. So you never. I wasn't going to take a ride up and then have the big fall. Right. You know? Did anyone else in the band spin out? Nobody really. 
Nobody really spun out. I think everybody kept it pretty together. That's uh, refreshing, especially uh, when you guys got big, because, I mean, uh, you know, it was the uh, early 80s, let's say, mm -hmm. and uh, everyone was rich, everyone had Coke. Uh, Coke mm -hmm. was good for you back then, and uh, there was no uh, AIDS, and it was basically, uh, hey, let's get loaded, fun, let's fun. get it on, mm -hmm. and uh, not, to, uh, not to spin out in that decade, mm -hmm. especially that part of that decade is, uh, is a pretty good feat. All right, uh, Rick has to get out of here, but uh, why don't we do this? We'll take one more call, and then we'll uh, say, right, say bye. Okay, uh, we won't, but Rick uh, will Cherie. Yeah. You're 22. Yes. Hey. Hey. <laughs> All right. Do you remember when I was talking about the whole uh, energy thing? This is what I'm talking about. Cherie? Yeah. What's your problem? My problem is that while I enjoy my boyfriend giving me oral pleasure, I can't climax during it. And I was wondering if you had any pointers or helpful hints or... I think Rick uh, needs to handle this one. Or little tricks that you guys do, <laughs> you know? Uh... I, I don't really have a uh, bag of tricks in terms of uh, oral sex. Rick, do you have any uh, suggestions? Well, I don't know. It depends on whether, I suppose it depends on whether you can climax even without oral sex. Can you do that, Shuri? Well, I do. Well, I don't know. I never have through oral sex. Uh, but so can I... you climax when you're not having oral sex? Mm, yeah, in some positions. So you can climax when you're having intercourse? Yeah, but it's not. It's uh, like a G-spot orgasm rather than a clitoral orgasm. Uh, look, your eyes roll to the back of your head. Well, one thing is, I mean, I think you're kind of responsible for your own orgasms in a way. Well, he's, he's helping them along. Relax. No, I mean, maybe, maybe it's just you know, yeah, I mean, that could help. I mean, maybe you just, maybe it just needs to take longer. And also, you're only 22. Oh. Well, what's that going to do with it? No, actually, a lot of women, a lot of women don't reach a. Who's that talking to? Right That's Dr. Marcel. Okay, okay. Believe me, he knows about sexual peak. <laughs> He's experimented with women of all ages. Okay. And uh, he can tell you uh, that women, as they get older, are actually more in tune with their bodies, know what it's going to take to get them to an orgasm. Right. Guys, are. Uh, I've often said that uh, a woman is a very complicated piece of equipment. And it takes a while in order to figure it out. It's like you're, you're a woman. It's like you know one of those uh, giant uh, uh, NASA computers or something. And obviously, you're not going to go in the first day and master it. Uh, a man is like a, it's it, if it was instruments, it'd be the, the difference between uh, like a big pipe organ and a, just a little wooden recorder. In terms of a guy, can pretty much figure himself out pretty quickly. Spends a, uh, the better part of his uh, high school days figuring himself out. And uh, the problem is, by the time he's 30, he sometimes gets bored because he's uh, mastered himself at age 17 and a half. Women come on to their stuff uh, later on. And uh, what uh, Marcel is saying is, you may be on that, that path, Sherry. Okay. But, but, but here's what I'm trying to get out of you. Okay. You can have an orgasm, and don't break it out, break it down into this kind of orgasm or that kind of orgasm. You can have an orgasm when you're having intercourse. Mm -hmm. Yes? Yeah. Okay, and you can have an orgasm when you masturbate. Yeah. Yes. So which, still completely different. And have you ever had an orgasm through oral sex? No. No. And do you feel that this guy is uh, doing a good job? Yeah. You do. Yeah. So the problem lies within you. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. All right. I'm hanging up. <laughs> okay. I I I, I want to like clear the board. 
and uh, and, and start fresh. I don't know what the hell's going on tonight, but I, I can't get a goddamn answer out of out of anybody. I, I have an orgasm, but it's a G-spot orgasm. It's not a regular orgasm. Please, just answer the freaking question and step up to the plate. Uh, if this guy's doing everything right and you can't have an orgasm, then um, by a reason of uh, deduction, we can we can figure out that it's up it's up to you. You're not concentrating, or you're not relaxing, or you're concentrating too hard, or you're too uptight, or whatever it is. I can uh, I can say from my limited experience that uh, women do not like to be approached the way men like to be approached sexually. And I think uh, some of the problem, and uh, you guys jump in if you have a take on this, is men approach women sometimes sexually the way they'd like to be approached. Fast, hard, rough, you know, sweat flying. Goal oriented. Right. Go very, very goal-oriented. Goal that's that's true. Yes, I gotta have an orgasm. Uh, when I'm done with this one, I gotta have another one. Uh, then I gotta get some beer in me to replace the vital fluids, and then I'm going for uh, number three. Women don't look at it that way usually. I think uh, women uh, they like to be caressed. Uh, they uh, they like to be uh, coddled a little bit. They don't really like the um, the fast and furious. They're not exactly ready for a quick insertion. Right, and and orally as well. If you do that sort of uh, what you learn in the porn movies technique, it is not going to satisfy most women. Am I, am I right, Rick? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> See, Rick, I don't want to offend you, but you you know you have a very narrow face, mm -hmm. and I'm guessing you could really satisfy a woman orally, because uh, whereas like a big Chinese guy, for instance, his cheeks would, would get caught up, you know, like a big sumo wrestler type guy. You know, like uh, Odd Job from the James Bond movie, the guy threw the hat? He, he'd have to have like a, an eight-inch tongue just to get near the woman's, just to get near the woman. You, you, you know what I'm saying? But Rick, Rick's, uh, Rick yeah, has yeah. A, a face like a, uh, like a, a, a tent stake. He could just slide right in there. Takes a thin face. Yeah. yeah, I mean a woman she could have her legs crossed. Rick could still work his way in between those thighs. All right. So, <laughs> all right, uh, Rick, uh, you have to go because I think you're doing the morning show tomorrow. Are yeah, you not? That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yes, I'm doing the morning. The earliest I ever woke up. Uh, what time are you going to be in there tomorrow? I think it's eight or something, right? Ah, oh, I will. Uh, already had five cups of coffee and me and be really? there uh, when you show up. Oh, that'll be nice. Oh yes, a familiar face. Uh, and and do me a favor, Rick. Please. What's that? Come up and hug me. All right, I like in front of everybody. All right, I'll do that. Because I've I've had this happen a few times where um, I do the morning show out here in K Rock um, mm -hmm. a couple days a week. And we'll have a guest on uh, that night, and they'll come in the following day to the mother station, K-Rock, and come on the morning show. And it's no coincidence. You're out, uh, a lot of guests, you're in town, mm -hmm. you're plugging your stuff, and you're making the rounds. So uh, inevitably, I show up at uh, 6.45, and they say, how was Rick last night? Is he cool? Is he uptight? Uh, what kind of guy is he? And I've done this a bunch of times where I go, oh, yeah, um, these guys were in here. Oh, they're great. They love me. Mm -hmm. We're like this, man. I mean, we're really tight. was rocking the whole night. And then the person comes in hung over with sunglasses on and walks right past me in front of everybody. And then uh, I have to reintroduce myself to them. And you, you can imagine it's a humiliating experience after the build-up. Yeah, we won't let that happen. So... I, I know you're pretty reserved, and um, you may not uh, hug a lot of guys. But, uh, but everybody. It really would mean a lot to me if you just came in and went, Hey, and, and call me like by like a nickname. Call me like Ace. All right. Hey, Ace, yeah. And just, just give me a big hug. We'll do that. Okay. All right. Uh, Rick Ocasek, everybody. Uh, 
Troubleizing is the name of the CD, Out 99. And uh, Rick, I'll see you in about uh, six and a half hours. All right, good. Take care. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. We do appreciate it. <laughs> uh, Engineer Mike's really getting happy with that uh, with that card. All right, uh, Rick Ocasek has uh, left the building. Dr. Marcel is still in the building, but not sure what call he wants to pick next. Dr. Marcel, it doesn't matter. I'm now uh, punching them blindly. Michelle? Yeah. You're 27. Yes, hi, Adam. We've hi, had, hi. We've had the world's worst calls tonight. <laughs> Please, uh, break break the chain. Okay, um, next week I'm going to go for a restaurant. All righty then. And um, I'm just... Nervous about the size that I chose because I want to be like a nice C size. Right now I'm a 36 C, okay. and um, I chose. I didn't ask the doctor would be familiar. Um, I chose a 360, and I was just wondering if that would be appropriate for my size and my height. Well, how tall are you? I'm five two and a half, and I weigh 113. What's a 360? Is that like she? She's five two and a half and a hundred and how many pounds? A hundred and thirteen. You will be impressive on. Well, is that going to go to a D? Do you think? You know, cup size is a fashion conspiracy. Uh -huh. uh, the same cup size in one outfit is not the same cup size in another outfit. So right. to focus on just a cup size is probably not the thing you want to do. Uh -huh. but, but let me ask you this, Marcel. Uh -huh. Don't you think the cup size, just in general, I'm not talking about enlargement or anything, uh -huh. uh, don't you think the cup size is more telling than the uh, you know circumference of the right. ribcage? Absolutely. Absolutely, that's band size. That's just the circumference of the rib cage, where cup size is more indicative of the size of the actual breast. breast. Right. That's why I'm always asking cup. I never go for the size because you could be a 42A, be a little and that ain't that ain't good. Yeah. Uh -huh. I'm a 36B right now. I mean, uh, the 360 cc's uh, implants. It's uh -huh. a very popular size. It's probably uh, right around the median. It, it is. All, yeah, but it all depends on on how big you want to be. It, it depends on what your chest wall looks like. If you've had any kids, how big of a skin envelope you're trying to fill out. There's a lot of variables, and hopefully you're a doctor. Well, I'm behind the muscle, and I was mm -hmm. told that when you go behind, you kind of lose. I mean, it'll look smaller than what you actually choose. Is that true? Uh, the muscle tends to compress the implant down a little, so it can make it not as as evident as if you put it just behind the the gland. You're going for the saline implant, right? Right. Right. Yeah, and saline implants are unforgiving, so you want to camouflage them as much as you can. What do you mean unforgiving? Well, they can show rippling, they can show scalloping, you can mm -hmm. see the edges, and so you do want to camouflage them if you can by putting them behind the muscle. I mean, the majority of saline implants are put behind the muscle. Uh, is this whole thing, I am under the impression that the uh, whole silicone thing is uh, merely a scare that was cooked up by a bunch of effing lawyers. It's, it's having, we're seeing now signs that it's going to blow over, and I think silicone gel is going to make a, a comeback, actually. Oh, good. Mm -hmm. Well, and I, I mean, it's just amazing that, uh, you know, is Dow Corning uh, bankrupt now because of this? Uh, if they're not already, they, they will be. And all these huge class action lawsuits by all these women. Uh, first off, here's the deal. I believe that if you go for uh, breast enlargement, uh, all bets are off. This, to me, is like the people who, um, oh, I, I don't know, they go bungee jumping and they want to sue. Screw you. Uh, you decide, here was, here's what you decided to do. You decided to get stoned, 
uh, go to a bridge, uh, strap a rubber band to your ankles, and jump off head first. Now the thing snapped, and you did a face plant into the rocks, and you're in a wheelchair, and you're looking for people to sue. Right. When you go squirt around, when you go skydiving, when you go bungee jumping, when you decide uh, that uh, whatever God gave you wasn't enough and you want to go up uh, to a nice double D size and things don't go right, screw you. I mean, uh, I mean, unless there's, you know, gross negligence. I mean, if the guy's, uh, you know, if the guy's stethoscope, uh, glasses, and pager end up in one breast and the thing's constantly going off, hey, has that ever happened? Not lately. You think with all the pagers a doctor wear, uh, eventually one would get implanted in the breast. But the point is this, uh, when you're just trying to make yourself uh, bigger in life and you have some problems down the road, hey, this is, uh, you know, this comes with the territory. I mean, a big part of plastic surgery is knowing what you're getting into, getting an informed consent. But uh, I'll be real honest with you, there were a lot of women that had silicone gel implants that were perfectly happy with them, had great results, and they all joined in the lawsuit because they said, shoot, might as well try and make some money on it. Oh, yeah, right. It's a big, fat, faceless company. Yeah. There's uh, there's uh, millions of dollars here, uh, billions. billions. I, I was about to correct myself. There's a uh, bunch of lawyers who's uh, who sort of well, they work under the guise of uh, uh, we're uh, we're helping the defenseless and protecting the weak. They're just lining their own pockets, and it's sort of uh, hey, just screw them. They got a bunch of money. They're a chemical company. And they cooked up this entire thing, and the reality is, is it's it's sort of up there with uh, like the Gulf War syndrome. Yeah, people have some effects. Uh, a lot of people get sick anyway. By the way, if right. you if you took uh, you know ten million women uh, between the ages of you know thirty and fifty five, a uh, certain percentage of them have connective tissue disease. A certain percentage of them are sick and they never had implants. Certain percentage uh, have headaches that are chronic, uh, that have uh, fatigue syndrome that's chronic. I mean, you just you know, uh, s happens as as right. they say. Oh, it makes me sick as a breast-loving man to hear uh, a uh, fine company like Dow being run under by some unscrupulous uh, vermin-ass lawyers. All right, but let's let's keep on on the breast for a second here, because I believe uh, many of our listeners are interested in this. Uh, guys, uh, for the purely masturbatory purposes, Absolutely. and women, because uh, this potentially could be something they would get into later, uh, for the guys' masturbatory uh, purposes. Uh, what are my questions? What is the average? You say uh, 36 uh, cc's. No. Um, is that the average? Well, volume. Oh, sorry, 30, uh, 360. 360. I'd say the average throughout most of the United States probably runs somewhere between three and 400 cc's. And um, how big is that physically? Uh, well, 330 cc's is a can of Coke. Oh, I see. So volume-wise, it's about a can of Coke. Right. So, uh, uh, would you say that's like somewhere? Let's pick something, uh, uh, something uh, round. Like, is that somewhere between like an an orange and a grapefruit? Yeah. Like a big orange. Yeah, big big navel orange. And how do they do those? Or what's the biggest one you've ever done? I tend. I don't like to make them too big because I just think they look too unnatural. Mine, I think mine is about 550, 600 cc's. And uh, is that is that up it's into the D, into the double D's? Is that uh, above the grapefruit and starting to get into the uh, into the melon and like cantaloupe? Or the cantaloupe, yeah. And uh, did you have uh, reservations about doing that? Um, was the woman a stripper? She actually became one. Oh, sure now. Yeah. Uh, but was this her intention? I think so. A lot of women come in, they will say they just want it for themselves. And some are looking maybe to, they think it'll save their marriage, or some of them think, no, there's money in dancing. And what about, um, 
I used to think that way about the morning dancing uh, part too, until I took a realistic look at myself in the news. Um, what about the ones that just go, and I know you don't do this, but the, the ones that go, um, I don't know how many cc's, uh, but it's got to be a, a, a thousand plus. When you start getting up above five, six hundred cc's, those are starting to become custom implants. Now, what, what does that mean? It means that you, you have to have them special made by the companies. They just don't offer that as a routine size or special order. So you can't just uh, go into the uh, saline no, manufacturer. It's not off the shelf. It's sort of like, uh, yeah, Will Chamberlain has to have his underwear made. Yeah. It's, it's one of these things. Absolutely. Uh, now, how do you get something that size into a uh, someone who was a C cup or a B cup before that? Well, with with the saline implants, because they go in uninflated or just a little bit of saline, you can go in through a small incision and then you gradually add saline and fill up the implant. Um, in some women... Is saline basically... I thought it was like salt water. Sterile yeah. water. Yeah. Right. Um, in some women, uh, trying to put 20 pounds of material into a 5-pound container can be rather tough. So. <laughs> That that was uh, that was not Mike with a card. That was my uh, penis jumping out of my uh, undershorts. Um, how do you then fill? Let's say, let's just uh, say, there's a woman and she wanted a 950 cc chest job. I mean, she wanted to go. Um, she wants to go exotic. She wants to go from a C to um, you know, you know, carnival ass size. Obviously, you can't do it in one session. You got to keep. Right. You got to add a little each time, right? You can. How do you add? In something like that, you may want to put in what's called a tissue expander to stretch the skin gradually over time. Or some plastic surgeons tell their patients, "We're going to do it gradually. We'll put in a certain size. Wait till the skin stretches out, and then we'll keep getting giving you like upgrades." Uh, how about putting like uh, you know like a bike tire has a valve stem or something? Right. How about putting one of those like on their ass? <laughs> I mean, uh, maybe not on their ass, but you know what I'm saying. Is there any right. way to say, or well, not even a valve? But let's just uh, I'm you know I'm I'm no plastic surgeon, but I am a dreamer, and I'm, I'm a, here's my idea. There's somebody they want the 850 or 950 uh, cc breast job. Obviously, it's not going to accommodate it because the skin is not stretched out. So you put it in at uh, 450 cc's. Now you don't want to have to cut the whole thing open and take a thing and put a new one in. Is there any way to access this or access this? Pardon me, and and just sort of fill it up while it's in place. One of the companies had, uh, or I think they still have an implant that has a little tube that comes out that you leave through a small nick incision through the skin that comes out of the, the patient and over a shorter period of time you can make the implant somewhat larger. Not a lot of volume difference. The trouble is anything that comes through the skin potentially allows infection to go in and if the implant gets infected it's got to come out. Okay. Uh, it's imperfect. All right, so you're saying in order to get the women uh, that I see on these novelty videos have had multiple Most operations. Absolutely. Oh, what women go through for my pleasure. I, uh, it, it almost brings a tear to my eye when I think about uh, the sacrifices. And not only sacrifices to them, but sacrifices made by uh, men before you in the name of science. Yeah. I'm going, uh, I was driving over here, I know we're running late for break, but I have to go back to the dentist tomorrow for a little more root canal. And uh, many uh, people who listen to the show have heard me rant about how technology has uh, steered clear of the dental profession for many years. Many years. Uh, you lie down. Uh, here, here's an empty Cheerios box, stuff it in your mouth, 
we're going to put this uh, this uh, ironclad camera against your cheek, and then we'll hide in this bunker while we take a picture. And then uh, you get the drill, you get the poker stick, you got the mirror with the, hey, it's got a little bend in it. That was a huge breakthrough. Wh whoever did that is probably, uh, there's probably some big statue in front of some dental institution for the guy who decided to bend the mirror a little bit. Same shot, same Novocaine, same everything. And I was driving in, and I was thinking, you know, I'm going to see Marcel tonight. And everyone, just think about this for a second. Go back 30 years. Go back 40 years or hell, even go back 20 years. Where was plastic surgery then? I mean, think about how far plastic surgery, collagen injections and nose jobs, facelifts and peels and breast augmentation, whatever it is, liposuction, think about what can be done. Hell, look at, just look at Jessica Hunt, for Christ's sake. Think about what can be done uh, by uh, not only uh, just an average plastic surgeon, and forget this uh, surgeon of the stars, just an average plastic surgeon here in 1997, and what could be done uh, from a plastic surgery standpoint after World War II. I mean, completely different. Complete, night and day, right? Totally different technology. Now, compare that to dentistry. Exactly the same. Exactly. Same thing, different uh, different calendar. They used to have one that said buy bonds or something on it, but uh, now there's like, uh, you know, Hooters girls or whatever. Uh, actually, that'd be good. But has not touched. The uh, technology has not been a good friend to uh, dentistry. All right, I hope the dentist isn't listening. <laughs> going to take it out of me tomorrow. I began to float up and wave from my body. Uh, ladies, you better get down here. If you're not here with love one returns, they're going to be... Hi, this is Matthew and Ira and Daniel from Not a Surf, and you're listening to Adam Carolla and Dr. Drew on Loveline. Hey, it's uh, Not a Surf, one of the bands uh, Rick O'Casey produced. Oh, engineer Mike, give him a raise. <laughs> Mike, you don't get paid, there's no change involved with your uh, hourly wage, is there? It's not like uh, 9.35 or anything. Yeah, I don't know how much engineer Mike's, Mike makes. Um, if it's over 10 bucks, it's a crime, but... The thing is, I, I just figured this out. When there's change involved with your hourly rate, it's it's a bad sign. Would you agree with that, uh, Marcel? Absolutely. Uh, Dr. Marcel is a uh, very esteemed uh, plastic surgeon. He is sitting in for Dr. Drew tonight. He is a friend of Dr. Drew's. You've known him for many years. Long time. Were you? Uh, did you meet him in school? We met in medical school. We were roommates. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, we lived together. That's right. Time. I forgot about that. Yeah. It's quite a contrast. Oh, yeah. Because Marcel, to his credit, uh, there's a lot of people that sort of, um, they become their occupation. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there's uh, there's a lot of school, te like sort of old lady school teacher types, who are old lady school teacher types when they get home, uh, they feed their cats, uh, they um, check the uh, TV guide to see what the uh, parental listings are, decide if uh, maybe that wouldn't be suitable for them, and, and that sort of thing. Marcel is not this kind of guy. Marcel uh, has a very unique combination, and is one I admire, and is one that you usually only see in movies. Like in movies where they, um, you know, they go, they they get some 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 hot Hollywood starlet, but she is the uh, world's uh, most uh, foremost expert on uh, Russian uh, ballistic capabilities. Let's say, well, that never happens because uh, really hot, leggy, beautiful women, and don't give a rat's hiney 
about uh, ballistics, and they're too busy going on dates, getting laid, having a good time, and hanging out with rock bands. Marcel over here is a guy who uh, somehow has the uh, smarts and the um, ability to go all the way through um, med school and, of course, all the schooling uh, before that and all the dedication and uh, hours and heartache it takes uh, to get to where he is today, but has a little bit of that uh, playful side to him. Enjoys a cigar, a good-looking blonde, a rock concert. Yeah. You're sort of having your cake and eating it as well. I think... A big problem that a lot of doctors have, and it's not just plastic surgery, but a lot of doctors, we tend to lose touch with being a person as well as a physician. Well, I'll tell you why. Because all you guys insist on the doctor title in front of your name, which is just a, a ridiculous notion, or I should say recoculous. I mean, whenever you go to a restaurant, you'll always hear, uh, uh, Dr. Jankowitz, uh, please, uh, doctor, just say Jankowitz. I mean, there are guys in there that are lawyers, there are guys in there who are professors, uh, there are people, other people in there with uh, highfalutin degrees. Uh, they don't insist on being called by their title in front of their name. And I think doctors, and this is part of that whole, that whole thing where they, it, it, becomes, uh, it becomes their life. It also helps put a little bit of barrier between them and their patients. Ah, it's very interesting. It keeps it, they see it as a way of keeping it more, less personal and more formal. Right. Right. It's why school teachers don't let you call them Jim. Yeah. Uh, because uh, the guy's name is uh, Jim Bernard, but you have to call him Mr. Bernard because if you call him Jim, then uh, next thing you know, you'd be breaking wind in the class and going, hey, Jim, isn't that funny? And you'd be screwing around with the guy. They have to keep a uh, certain certain distance, sort of uh, why the uh, drill sergeant doesn't sleep right in there in the, in the bunks with his uh, enlisted men. All right, I understand that. But not Marcel. He's, uh, he's, uh, he's an everyman's doctor. Hey, 18. Hi. Hey. Um, okay. My situation is kind of confusing to explain, so kind of bear with me. Uh -huh. Okay. There's this guy that I met about a year ago, and he doesn't live around me, so we decided to write letters in call a lot. And he told me he loves me and everything and all that. And we've talked about having sex and everything and all. And he came to visit a while ago, and we got pretty far, and, but we didn't have sex. And the thing is, he's got a fiancé. How old is he? He's 21. And where did you meet him? Mm, I don't Well, like through friends and stuff. Mm -hmm. How far away does he live? Ooh, a few hours. Uh-huh. But see, I... How'd you find out he has a fiancé? He didn't tell me this for <laughs> a few months after I first knew him. Well, I'm floored. Mm. I can't imagine that. Well, I mean, he told me he loved me and everything, and he's, he's so genuine about it all. Mm-hmm. And yet, I say I worry about him getting caught in his fiancé and all that. But see, he says for me not to worry about it. Mm. But he's, he's already lied to you. Well, he didn't. I never asked him. I just assumed that he didn't have one. <laughs> and then all of a sudden he told me, and it just, like, shocked me. Uh -huh. So he didn't, he didn't lie. Well, I never asked because I asked right. him since he was telling me all this. Don't ask, don't tell. Mm. Yes, this, uh, this is still lying, by the way, Anne. Well, okay. When you enter a relationship and you're in involved in another relationship and you withhold that information, even if you're not asked, it's uh, it's assumed uh, by most decent people that when you're involved with someone, you're involved with someone and that there isn't another person on the horizon. So He gets mad at me when I, like, if I don't tell him something. You know, what's up with you that it's okay for you to go out with a guy who's going out with somebody else? See, I, don't, I didn't know that. So I All right, but now you know. 
Yeah, I know. So why is that okay with you? I'm not going out with him. He's just a really, really good friend. You almost had sex with. Well, yeah. All right. But see, I don't know. Well, what is your question? I just don't know what I should do if I should keep talking to him and being friends and all this, but I don't know. I'm just confused about it. All right. Well, you don't really have any reason to be friends with him. Do you? Oh, I don't know. He's a nice guy, and I like him a lot. Do friends lie to friends? <laughs> not usually. Oh, that was good. Yeah. Uh, Anne. Mm-hmm. You're interested in this guy. Well, yes. Okay, so stop hiding behind this whole friend thing. Okay. Okay, because you have plenty of friends, and this guy doesn't even live in town. Well. Right. Right. Okay, forget it. He's a liar, he's a manipulator, he's in a relationship right now, and I'm guessing I give the uh, marriage uh, nine months once they do get married. See, it's easy for you to say that to not be friends with him, but... I don't know. Listen, you're just kidding yourself, though. The only reason you want to be friends with him is so that you can be intimate with him again. You have feelings for him. Well. Of course you have feelings for him. And you know that he would be more than willing to oblige you. Well, because he's a guy. Sure. If you guys got together, there would be something physical, right? Most likely, yes. Okay. So stop worrying about the whole friendship part. Mm -hmm. You have friends that live near you. This guy's uh, older, he's he's engaged, and he lives uh, way out of town. Mm-hmm. All right, and you're interested in him. Well, yes. I'm, I'm interested to the fact that, I, I don't know, I like him and all, but I'm not waiting on him and I'm looking for other guys. All right, so I'm going to answer your question. Move on with your life, mm-hmm. and if you want to see the guy, then uh, tell him and his fiancée to come over and hang out. Okay. All right? Yeah. If you see him alone, there's going to be sex involved. Mm-hmm. You know that. Well, I, I've seen him alone. And there was sex involved? Almost. Okay, good enough. <laughs> Man, stop kidding yourself. You're not fooling anybody. Okay. Just go find a guy who's unattached and have a relationship with him. Well, I will. Can you do that? I'm trying. Is there a problem that you can't meet guys who aren't attached? Well, no, nah, I just have problems. What, what are your problems? Uh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. guys around and, like, I don't know. It's just... I haven't had that many relationships to begin with. Right. So anything sounds good. Well, uh, I'm picky. Yeah. Hmm? I'm picky. No. You're just scared of being uh, intimate with somebody. Because mm-hmm. so you got let down somewhere along the way. A few times. When did your dad leave? I still have my dad. Oh, yeah? I'm not divorced. What's wrong with him? Nothing. You get along with him fine? Oh, yeah. Really? He's a cool dad. Uh-huh. Uh, he gives you his pot and everything? <laughs> Something like that. All right. I could get to the bottom. Of, uh, if we didn't have to go commercial, I'd get to the bottom of uh, Ann and her pop. I know there's something up there. Listen, all you uh, idiots out there who think anything is better than nothing, it's not. There's a lot of people. It's, it's sad. Um, a lot of people have been there in their life. They don't have much going on in terms of relationships. They haven't had much going on in terms of relationships. So they figure... Look, this guy's got a wife, or this guy's, you know, he's got a family, he's got kids, and he's willing to dedicate 10% of his time to me. That's 10% more than I got, so uh, is, uh, do the math. Isn't that good? It's not. Ultimately, you end up getting hurt, and it ends up lowering your self-esteem even more. The reason you're with a married guy is because you have bad self-esteem. And this process just sort of keeps it down very slowly. It's very slow down. All right, Ann, find someone who's in town and start a normal relationship. You deserve it. Sell the hell out of the next call, would you, Dr. Marcel? Well, we've got Brett on line one, whose girlfriend doesn't like to receive oral sex from him. We'll get to the bottom of that after this. 
Okay. Why don't you try rapping at this time? Hey, Dr. Drew. Yeah, Mike. I pretty much, uh, look, I never bought anything online in my life until I met my wife. Oh, and, seriously? Uh, now all I do is go to Amazon. Uh, yeah, I buy pretty much everything on Amazon. And if you want to support somebody that has an affiliate relationship with, with Amazon, you go to their website, you click through the Amazon banner, and at zero cost to you, Amazon shares some of the purchase price with the affiliate. Why are for- you being so nice about it and saying somebody with an affiliate relationship? You're right, Mike. I should be more specific. Forget an affiliate, some vague affiliate. Let's go to Podcast One where you can find the Loveline podcast, the Loveline page. Bookmark that page and just click through on the Amazon banner located at the top of the homepage. You can even use the Amazon banner if you're in Canada or the UK. It makes it easy for all future purchases. Again, it is podcastone.com. Click on the Keep It Free banner to support Amazon and all the wonderful sponsors that make the show possible. Yes, it is Loveline, 1-800-LOVE-191. I'm Adam Carolla. Here's Dr. Marcel fitting, fitting in. That's the second time I've done that. I think it's a gay Freudian slip. Filling in quite nicely for the uh, departed Dr. Drew, who's on another one of his many vacations. Drew is uh, one of these guys, it's like, if you, if you um, likened it to eating, you would say that he lives off uh, matzah and tap water for months on end and then sits down to the biggest beautiful buffet you've ever seen. Drew tortures himself for, you know, three months straight, works uh, 75 hours a week, barely has a, gets strung out, doesn't sleep, uh, starts falling apart, and then goes on these amazing vacations. And re-energizes. I like to slip a little vacation into every working day. <laughs> that is uh, that is my approach to life. Or at least a good nap. A good nap. <laughs> and uh, I always know the nap is good if I have uh, saliva on the pillow and erection in the shorts when I wake up. That means I really got into my ramp. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you something funny. Um, we're on a hiatus with the uh, TV show uh, over the summer. And when uh, our last day of shooting, we, um, everyone sort of, packed up there and said, oh, everyone hugged everyone and said, uh, yeah, we'll see you in September. And everyone sort of, pa- I had to pack up my dressing room. Eh, I don't know, I had a couple of notebooks and a magazine or something, but a big pillow. <laughs> and I, I came walking out from the dressing room and uh, the producers came up to me and said, uh, hey, what's up with this? You know, it's like a huge pillow I had in my room. What's up with that? I said, uh, I brought that first day. And they're like, uh, why'd you bring a pillow to work? I nap. Uh, you nap? Uh, yeah, in between shows. It's like, Great, paying this guy a ton of money. <laughs> I mean, bringing a pillow to work, it, it just, uh, I, I think they're satisfied with the job I do over there, but it's still kind of a bad sign when you're leaving your, essentially your office and the boss catches you carrying, uh, essentially, bedding out to the car. That's uh, just a bad sign. But uh, Drew gets all his misery in about three months at a time and then uh, basically chills out. Although, uh, between the wife and the kids, I, I, I don't frankly know what kind of vacation that is. I, uh, I've told Drew on many occasions to fake his own death and get himself uh, out of the hole that he's dug. He's in too deep. 
I'm telling you, between Susan and the triplets and the, uh, and the you know, the multiple nannies and the pager going off every uh, 15 seconds, and, uh, you know, when he's not doing a some sort of a um, commencement address at his uh, former high school, he's lecturing over here, or he's doing an interview over there, or he's, uh, the pager's going off at 4.30 in the morning and someone's got angina pain, he's in way too deep. A lot of guys, I could say, hey, just scale it down a little bit. That's not like him. Yeah, and he, and I don't like I said he's in too far. I don't think he could do that. Yeah. I, he, he, you know what he's like? He's like a um, drug czar. He's really like a drug kingpin in in Bolivia who's already has you know the big house on the on the hill and he's got all the flunkies working for him and the henchmen and he can't stop now. He can't just scale down and move into a well. He'd be killed the second he went out into the the uh, streets of Colombia. He all now he needs like a bigger house and more guards, and it just keeps it just keeps growing. That's why I say fake the death, change your appearance with plastic surgery. Let me talk to you about that for a second. First off, uh, what can you do for me? You're a striking looking man. <laughs> I wouldn't change. Did you hear that? How about like a brow reduction? I got a lot of brow on me. Could you do something with the brow? Thank you. All right, but let me ask you this: What if? I became some uh, sort of fugitive, and because of the bond we have here on the radio, you uh, it was one of these things um, like that uh, uh, Harrison Ford movie. Somebody please jump in. I can't, I can't think of the name. Was it Fugitive? What the hell was that Harrison? Uh, I'll be the Fugitive. The Fugitive, sorry. All right, so it is, I, I, the problem is, is I shot my wand by saying Fugitive, and then I had to think of the name of the movie, and uh, I'd already used up the word Fugitive. If something like that happened to me, could you change me around so that I wouldn't be recognizable? You could change enough things that people would maybe have a tough time recognizing you, or frankly, yeah, if you really wanted to go for a drastic change, change. You change eye color, hair color, you put in cheek implants, you change your nose, you get liposuction. I have an idea. Uh-oh. Uh -oh. Right. 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 Who smells like uh, something that rhymes with it? Uh, Brett, you're 17. Yeah, hey, how's it going? Good. I got a question. My girlfriend, she doesn't like me going down on her. She like, she's okay while we're making out, but when it comes to that, she's like, no, nah, no, nah, I don't want that. Mm -hmm. you ha are you having sex? Uh, no, she, she doesn't get down like that. She just. So she doesn't want a few things, right? Huh? There's there's more than one thing that she's not comfortable with. Well, I guess so, but. We used to do it like a long time ago because we've gone out for a long time, like on and off. So you used to perform oral sex on her? Yeah, sometimes. But now she doesn't want it anymore? Yeah. Oh, you must have been good. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, there's no harder thing for a 17-year-old uh, than to sort of retard sexually. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're, you're so used to advancing. I know, you, you look at it as psychological terms, I look at it as automotive terms. You either advance or you retard the timing. But, you know, it's like you're 15, you got second base. Uh, yeah. You're uh, 16, you kind of shuffle field downstairs. Uh, now uh, you're 16 and a half, you're no longer a virgin, and you think things are just going to keep moving up. To actually uh, be set back has got to be rough. Yeah, it is sometimes. So why do you think she has stopped this, right, after I, letting you do it? I have no idea. See, I, moved, I live in Tucson right now. Um, I came here about five years ago, and then about ten months ago I moved to uh, Dallas. And then I moved back spring break not too long ago. And we just started going out about two months ago. And from then on, she's like, hadn't been getting into it. Right. All right. Here's what's happened. You were going out and then you moved away, right? Yeah. 
Okay, she she's scared you're going to leave again. Okay. I mean, maybe not logically, but in her subconscious mind, she's frightened that you're going to go and she doesn't want to become intimate or real intimate with you again because she doesn't want that bond torn away like it was already. Okay, but the funny part is is that she met a guy while I was gone that lived in the same town I did, or by the same town I did. That's hysterical. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I, I didn't know if she had anything going on between him or what. Mm -hmm. hey, put it this way, Brett. Mm -hmm. I don't know you and I don't know her. I certainly can tell you, and uh, Marcel, you've had many years of dating under your belt. You can... Um, you can chime in when you like. When a woman starts either doing this or not doing that sexually, it's attached to something psychological, uh, more often emotional. Right, she's pulling back, she's holding back. Right. She's not into the relationship. Right. Well, I didn't ask her out, she asked me out, so... Okay, but she still may be frightened that you'll break apart from her again and move again. All right. So there's really nothing you can do sexually, it's just emotionally you have to win her trust again, and then things will open up sexually. With any luck, yeah. <laughs> See? Yeah. See? He's a doctor, but first he's a man. Blinds galore, baby. Cool your home, man. You want to talk about it. I know it's getting hot. It's hot where we are. It's hot where you are, I'm sure. It's hot right here. It's hot right here. Oh. Yeah, turn the air down on. a little. Anyway. It, the, the sun just blasting through. I mean, think about how hot your car gets. Think how much cooler your car would be if you parked it out in the sun, if it had blinds all the way around. Well, that's the same thing with your house. And then also everything gets bleached out. The fabric gets bleached out. The You get bleached out. The carpet gets bleached out. Blindsgalore.com. Quality, custom-built blinds and shades made just for you. We use them here. Use them there. And it's the kind of thing you get once and you use it for the next 25 years. So let's get going. Free samples, free shipping, free design advice. And uh, real easy. And you save money over the big box stores. Blinds Galore. They really do have Blinds Galore. Go to BlindsGalore.com. Let them know I sent you. Let them know that uh, they are proud sponsors and that you heard it here. BlindsGalore.com. Okay, and you're listening to Love Line with Adam Carolla and Dr. Drew. Can I go now? Well, Bob, I got it. Uh, and if you spoke to Bob uh, any time, no, I'll call him. He, uh, he called me from uh, Detroit like uh, three weeks ago or something, and uh, he told me to come on the show, and uh, I guess he will. I just haven't called So we'll work that out. Yes? Yeah, I'd love it. Okay. Yeah. Um, how old do you think Bob Kent Goldthwait is, uh, Dr. Marcel? Mid to late forties. Okay, that's not bad. He's uh, thirty-four. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing I love better than that guest podcast age because it pisses him off to no end because he listens to the show all the time. And uh, he he's told me no, you can kick his ass. But he's told me a couple of times that he was like in um, you know Maryland driving uh, across like uh, the world's third longest bridge or something and hearing uh, the guest Bobcats uh, age segment on Loveline at you know at two in the morning and uh, people calling on uh, 57, 58 <laughs> and he just he said he wanted to drive in the water. 
All right, Dr. Marcelli, a fine job as usual. Tomorrow night uh, we will have the Goo Goo Dolls in here as well as uh, Dr. Marcel for one more night. And until then, this is Adam Corolla for Dr. Marcel saying mahalo. This has been Loveline. The opinions expressed herein are certainly opinions. That's for sure. If you'd like a link to transcript of today's program, you probably should have written it down yourself. And if you did, we'd like a copy. Loveline producer Ann Wilkins. This broadcast was copyrighted in 1997 with Little Entertainment. This music is MXPX on Tooth and Nail Records. Oh, boo. Oh, boo. Stop dragging your butt across the carpet. This concludes another PodcastOne.com program.